Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonnell here. I've been a property investor now for over 18 years. I've built up a multi-million pound property business and I've done it using creative property investment strategies and I'm now known as the UK's leading expert in no money down property investing. In today's video, I'm going to be reacting to a video that many of you have sent to me. All I know is that this video features the Judge Render guy and an interview that he did on the Good Morning Britain show and he talks about landlords. I'm going to react to it, give my points and then I'm going to talk about how we can fix the housing crisis. Before we get started, make sure you like, subscribe and hit that notification bell. Rob Rinder has dealt with injustice in the courtroom for years, but now he's turning his attention to tackling housing inequality. The barrister and TV judge believes it's one of the most critical issues of the moment, and he's urging the Prime Minister to honour his pledge to deliver a renters' reform bill. Uh, And he joins us now. It's good to be here. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for having me to highlight this problem, which is about all of our communities and all of our neighbours. You know, there are millions of our neighbours who live in private rented accommodation who uh, fear eviction. The reason they fear eviction is because they're terrified to go to their landlord and say that they live in hazardous homes. And Mm. if you don't think the numbers are high, Mm. there are four million of our neighbours living in rented accommodation who live in homes that are dangerous. I'm going to... Well, point number one is, um, I'm not saying he's wrong or I'm not saying he's right. Four million people living in homes that are dangerous? Very possible. There's a lot of rogue landlords out there. A lot of rogue landlords. But I pride my business and the people that we educate at Progressive Property on how to do property professionally by taking run-down substandard properties and bringing them back into use. Taking empty properties thousands of empty properties across the UK. The councils have got empty homes lists that with thousands and thousands of properties on them. They're not bringing them back into use. Our job as professional landlords are to bring those properties back into use. To look to take properties on from rogue landlords. I do viewings all the time and I'm walking around properties and they're full of damp, they're mouldy, there's um, insects running around the place, even mice. I did a video once and in the video when I'm walking around afterwards, I actually had somebody on social media point out to me that a mouse ran between my legs on the video. I hadn't even seen the mouse until afterwards. I've never stepped inside that house again. But these properties are out there. Absolutely the properties are out there. But don't tar every landlord with the same brush. Don't make every landlord a rogue landlord because not every landlord is a rogue landlord. There are many very, very good landlords out there providing good accommodation at affordable prices for people on properties that would otherwise be left to go to ruin. And the sooner we get rid of the rogue landlords, the better in my opinion. The sooner we get some more legislation, brilliant. More regulation, more legislation, what it does is it leaves the professionals in the game and it gets rid of the rogues. So I'm not disagreeing with him, I'm actually partially agreeing with him, but it's not the whole story. He's missing the other side. Why? Because maybe he's looking to get a lot of 
interaction. Maybe he's like looking to get a, a really positive response from his audience. Maybe he's got a hidden agenda. Is that dangerous? And, mm. and four million um, also uh, who live in accommodation that need urgent repair. But what happens is that they are scared to go to their landlord because the landlord can retaliate. And even though um, it's clear what the law is, the uh, landlord can say, thanks very much, um, we don't want you here anymore, and they can serve a Section 21 no-fault eviction notice. The Renters' Reform Bill asks two simple things, and it's a critical thing for any decent landlord and for, frankly, any decent society. The first one is, if you're a landlord, let's... OK, so Section 21 no-fault eviction. Yes, it gets abused. I'll be the first to admit that. It gets abused. But you know what? I have never, never implemented the Section 21 with a no-fault eviction. I tell my tenants that I want them to treat the property as a home. They can stay there for as long as they wish. They, it's their home. So long as they look after the property, they pay the rent on time, it's their home. But what about the other side for landlords? What about all of the tenants that are not paying rent? What about all the tenants who just decided during COVID, even though they still had jobs or they still had furlough money? that they'd pay nothing to the landlords, nothing. The landlords still have to pay the mortgages. You've had tenants saying, oh, well, you're getting a mortgage holiday. Problem with the mortgage holiday is the interest is added onto the loan. You still have to pay the money at some point. Plus, if you go to try and raise any more money, if you look for another mortgage, the banks, when they're looking to lend you money, will look at the fact you took a mortgage holiday and say, you couldn't afford to pay your mortgage a few months ago. You're a high-risk investor now, a high-risk landlord. We're not going to lend you any more money. So me personally, I didn't take any mortgage holidays because my business has got to be able to cope with voids, maintenance issues, any of the, the challenges that come with being a landlord including things like COVID. Can you survive during those periods of time? You're, you, just because of COVID, you shouldn't mean you could just take a mortgage holiday. But the tenants, many of them just went, oh, we're not going to pay the rent. Still going to work. They took advantage. Many tenants, right? Ma not all tenants, by the way, there's some really great tenants out there, some tenants that genuinely had problems. And the problem with the law is that it's not balanced and it should be balanced. And there should be changes to Section 21, but changes that makes it fair on both sides, not hammer all the good landlords as well as the bad. Absolutely hammer the bad ones. I've got no issues whatsoever with getting rid of no-fault evictions, but there has to be a better process for fault evictions. People who are causing antisocial behaviour, people who are not paying rent, people who are damaging the properties that the landlords had given them. There's a lot of landlords in this country and they're not professional property investors like me with hundreds of properties. They're people that have got one house that is their retirement plan for their pension. Maybe a second house if they're lucky for a retirement plan for their partner for their pension. And when their tenant doesn't pay them, that leaves them in a huge problem. When their tenant trashes their property, it leaves them in a problem. There is safety in numbers. If you're watching this and you're thinking about having maybe one property or two properties, you want to be looking at getting 10, 15, 20 properties because yes, there's safety in numbers. But you know what? What? Just because you've got 50, 60, 70, 100 plus properties, that doesn't mean that the tenants should be allowed to not pay the rent. That doesn't mean that the tenants should be allowed to trash your house. That doesn't mean the tenants should be allowed to cause antisocial behavior. They should treat it as their home. And Yes, he's partially right, but you know what? He's also very much off the mark. That's my opinion. Let's have good landlords, which is most landlords, on a national register to prove and demonstrate you've got a safe home and you're a decent person. 
bearing in mind the number of people who have private homes that they rent out, that should be a straightforward mm -hmm. thing. And if you're a good landlord, you should want to be on that register. And the... Absolutely. Let's get all good landlords on a national register. 100% agree. That would be phenomenal. And um, we've got Article 4, which is to stop too many HMOs in an area, to look at planning in an area. I like that. It's not a problem. It means you can keep control of communities, of streets, so they don't get too many of one type of letting. Then you've got things like selective licensing coming in to put landlords on a register. But why not have a national database of landlords on a register? Great idea. But then this is what happens. Then the councils charge the landlord 600 quid, 700 quid, a thousand pounds per property just to be on the register. Never mind the expense to put the properties right. They're charging them almost um, three months profit, maybe a month's profit if it's a HMO. They're charging them a significant amount of money just to have them on the register. Why don't they instead charge nothing so the landlord can invest that money into the property. Why don't they say you can be on this register for a thousand pounds or you can be on it for nothing if you can show proof of spending a thousand pounds improving your property, bringing in maybe some um, energy inefficiencies to your property. Why not do that? because it's very unlikely they will. Why? Because it's another money-grabbing exercise by the government to try and get more money into the coffers at the expense of the landlords. The second thing we're asking for is to end Section 21 no-fault eviction so that people don't find themselves, as millions of people do, being terrified in their homes to complain on the basis that the landlord can come along and say, you know what, I'm going to put up the rent. You know what, I'm going to remove you and your children. I looked at a case this morning of a 52-year-old woman. She's a key worker. She looks after disabled children. She lived in her home for 12 years. Mm. That home wasn't just not fit for purpose. The boiler blew up. Mm. There was mould. She was living there in circumstances where she had to go and get up every day to support our most vulnerable communities. And yet she couldn't complain for the terror that she would be evicted. That's just not okay. No. It represents the worst of who we are when we could represent the best of who we are. That's why I'm supporting Shelter today. Yeah. And they're incredibly... That's absolutely despicable and wrong. He's 100% right there. That is completely wrong. That landlord, that landlord should be convicted that landlord should be stopped from being a landlord. But you see, she's lived there for 12 years. It often, the whole system, it's too difficult to um, bring complaints against a landlord that's actually a rogue landlord. It's too difficult. The whole system, the red tape, makes everything too difficult. Too difficult for the landlord to evict a bad tenant. Too difficult for a good tenant in a bad property to have their problems sorted out. And it's all due to red tape. It's all due to process and procedures and systems that stop getting straight to the point. Why not get rid of um, no-fault evictions? Absolutely. Why not? But put a system in place that makes it easier to get rid of a tenant who's not paying rent. Because let's say you've got a tenant not paying rent. They don't pay the rent. You've got to wait a few months that, of them not paying 
before you're even allowed to then evict them. Then you go, you have to wait for a court case. So you, you wait a few months before you can actually apply to have them evicted. Then you've got to wait months to actually get to court. Then in court, if there's one tiny bit of paperwork that's not filled in correctly, or you served the papers on the tenant at the, a day too early or an, an hour too early, or you, you, you served them in the wrong way or you spelt their name incorrectly. So let's ignore the fact they've trashed the landlord's house. Let's ignore the fact that they've not paid their rent in months. You, you told them about it a week too early or a day too early. That's ridiculous. So then you've got to get another court case. You've got to wait again a few months for another appointment. Then they show up to the second appointment and they say, we're going to try and put it right. And then the landlord, the, the, the landlord has to wait again while the judge says, give them a chance to put it right. They don't put it right clearly. Then the landlord finally comes back and he gets his eviction. Then he's got to wait 14 days. So they put there another 14 day notice, 14 days where they think, oh, well, def we're definitely leaving now. So let's trash the place before we go. Let's destroy the house on him before we go. Let's kick some windows in and put, punch some holes in some walls before we leave because he's kicking us out. The 14 days are up, by the way. You've got a possession order. It says you can have your house back. The only problem is you can't. You can't have your house back because if they choose not to leave after 14 days of the possession order, then they still don't have to leave. Then you've got to go back to the courts again and then you've got to apply to get a bailiff and maybe you go to the high court to get a high court bailiff to come and remove them. Then you have to pay for all that as well, by the way. So now you've got months and months of misrent. You've got all the court fees. You've got, and by the way, I'll say, oh, well, the tenant, if they get a, an eviction notice, right, if you get the possession order, then the tenant will have to pay all the court fees. Yes, you pay the court fees and then you've got to claim them back off the tenant. So you get them out eventually through the bailiffs who you've also had to pay for. Then you can add that to the list of money that the tenant owes you. But then you've got to go back again to then try and get a, a money claim against the tenant and maybe an attachment to earnings or something. The process takes way too long. So the process for protecting vulnerable tenants takes way too long. The process for protecting landlords who are being ripped off at the same time because it's a two-way street also takes too long. Fix the process on both sides. It definitely needs fixing. Absolutely. But it's not a one-way street. Well, you're and you're an ambassador for Shelter, so you're using your voice um, very powerfully on this. I don't know if you've seen, Rob, the uh, work that um, ITV News' political correspondent Daniel Hewitt has done in investigating social housing conditions. I mean, these are people who live in the London borough of Croydon, uh, my home area, um, and he says he was inundated with hundreds and hundreds of examples. I mean, particularly we're seeing here severe mould and damp. You know, what is happening if, if our social housing mm -hmm. is, is this kind of level? Because these are the, the poorest amongst us and we need to start having this conversation, right? This is... So, again, good point on social housing. You've mentioned a lot of damp and there's some really bad properties out there with damp. But you know what? I run um, my property portfolio. I've got four staff here in my office and we are consistently doing attending viewings on properties. We provide over uh, and inspections on properties. We provide the tenants with the keys to a beautiful property. Nicely done up, new carpets, new painting, newly decorated, and um, new kitchens, new bathrooms, nice properties. They've got fans in their bathrooms that can run. They, in your own home, as an owner of your home, you have a shower, you wipe down the shower. 
every night, every day, every few days, depending on how clean you are, you wipe the tiles down. But what is what happens in a rental property? They shower, they shower, they shower, they shower. They don't clear away any of the, the, the water, the residue that's just sitting there. And all the grout starts to turn black. It starts to turn to mold. Why? Because it's not their home. They see it as a rental property instead of their home. They don't, they dry clothes in the properties. Even where you've provided opportunity to have the clothes dried elsewhere, you provide dryers and stuff. They provide, they dry the clothes on radiators. They hang them over radiators and it stops the heat from getting around the room. It stops the air circulating around the room and they do it with the windows closed and they create damp within the properties. Not in all situations, but remember, this is about a balanced view. We're constantly telling tenants, you have to open the windows, you have to air the room, you have to wipe this down. And then we have to go at an additional expense and get somebody to come in and do it for them because they won't do it for themselves and it's their home. So damp is caused in homes, and we all know this, by in many cases where people are not taking care of their home correctly. It is also caused in many cases, very clearly, by rogue landlords who are not providing the right sort of accommodation for people. But let's fix the problem, not tar everybody with the same brush. And by the way, social housing, much of this social housing is provided by the government, by the councils. This social housing, they need to look after their own shop as well as look after the private landlord shop. And if they didn't have private landlords, there would be an even bigger problem in this country because the government, right, they are not providing the housing that's needed. They're relying on us investors to provide that housing. Good investors with the right morals, the right ethics, the right plan, can help people live in good accommodation. Many people here in this country never want to own a home. I hear all the time, landlords are stopping people from becoming homeowners. I'm not stopping anybody from becoming homeowners. The type of properties that we purchase are not properties that normal people would possibly want to buy. Most people walk into a house and they, they, they want to buy something that's got the nice carpets and the nice walls and stuff. The sort of stuff we buy, they're damp, they're run down, the ceiling's falling in, the walls need to be ripped back to brick, they need rewiring, they need replastering, they need new roofs sometimes, they need everything doing to them. A normal first-time buyer, they're not interested in that type of property. Without us as landlords, those properties would sit empty and they would fall to complete ruin. So we're not, we're not creating this housing bubble. We've seen through the lockdown, through COVID. Clearly, landlords haven't created the housing bubble through COVID. Homeowners have created the bubble through, the bubble through COVID where they've been looking to get nicer homes, they're competing with each other. It's two-way street. Everything has got to have balance. Yes, there's problems in society. Yes, there's problems with landlords. Yes, there's problems with tenants. There's got to be balance. And there's got to be proper legislation that doesn't just be one-sided. It's got to be equal legislation that supports the landlords who are struggling and supports the tenants who are struggling. Housing. Um, but this is something we need to think about. And it, it also goes to what talking about in football as well, right? Um, the people who live in that social housing have the least access to power, the least elbow, the least people that can influence any change. The same thing happens in people with people who are in private rented accommodation. 
You know, and here's the thing, those communities in Bolsover, those communities in Sedgefield have precisely the same issues of as communities in South Lambert, uh, as in Croydon, and they need to be yeah. united. They need to be uh, protected. It's time that we looked after the poorest and most vulnerable and gave them the tools that they need to threaten power. You've, you've always been very articulate in giving a voice to those people who don't uh, have one. I mean, you know, through Judge Rinder, that's, mm -hmm. that's the purpose of... Absolutely agree. And many of our tenants are universal credit tenants. They're, they're non-working tenants. We've got a lot of tenants who are single mums with babies, a lot of people who are unemployed. And the councils cover their rents. The rents are covered by the government. The rents aren't extortionate. I've got some tenants in properties for six, seven years. I've never increased the rents on those properties. Why would I not? Because sometimes I see these rent increases as um, a crazy thing to do in a way. Because you increase the rent to a point where the tenant can't afford it. Then the tenant leaves. Now you've got to pay. You've got void periods. You've got to find new tenants. You've got to do some... Um, marketing to get those new tenants. You've got to do all the referencing and all the checks of the new tenant all the time your property's sitting in tree. And I see this with landlords regularly. They come in here, they want way too much money for our property. They want way too much money in rent. And for 25, 50 quid a month more on rent, they'll leave their property sitting empty for four months. And they, it's, they, it's completely pointless. They've been penny wise and pound foolish. They're missing out on the fact that if you rented your property out for a little bit less today and you had a tenant who could afford to pay the rent, had enough money left over to be able to look after their property, that they'd have a better product long term. Rents need to be affordable. Rents need to be something that the landlord's happy with, that works for the landlord, and that the tenant can afford and leaves them enough money to be able to afford to then also take care of the property. Yes, the landlord should be doing all the maintenance stuff, but I mean the taking care of it in terms of having a working hoover, in terms of cleaning the property when they need to clean it, wiping down the, the tiles after they've had a shower, taking care of the, mowing the lawns, taking care of the property. So, Judge Rinder, you want to fix the housing crisis? This is how you fix the housing crisis. Not by alienating all the good landlords. Not by alienating all landlords and putting them all tarred with the same brush. How you fix the housing crisis is by working with private landlords. Because do you know what? The government, they're not going to fix the housing crisis. The government have tried to fix the housing crisis for years. Maggie Thatcher sold off loads of the council housing back in the 80s. That wasn't to try and help council tenants are the most deprived tenants in the, in the country. That was selling off stock, reducing the council stock. What do we need? We need better quality accommodation. We need more accommodation. How are we going to provide it? All of the empty properties around the, the country, all the empty properties in your towns and your cities. Why don't the council work with private landlords to give them the opportunity to bring that property back into use? Yes, there's some grants in some towns, but not in enough towns. Not enough opportunity to bring those properties back into use. The private investors are the ones that can solve this problem, but only with the right support from the government. The government are not solving the problem. The government don't have the money to solve the problem. And unless they actually deal with the problem, it'll only get bigger. The reason house prices are getting higher is not because of landlords, by the way. The government printed a trillion pounds in 2020, a trillion pounds. When you print that much money, it devalues money. You put more money into the economy, it devalues money, and it creates inflation. And what goes up with inflation? Everything. Milk, 
bread, butter, petrol, and property. Everything. The reason house prices go up is not necessarily because landlords are buying them. It's because of inflation. And it's more inflation was caused by the printing of money by the government in 2020 than by anything else. And yes, the need, the need was there to print the money, but to save people who were out of work, to save companies, to save jobs. But it had an adverse effect on pushing house prices up. And prior to COVID, house prices went up, but so did milk and bread and butter and petrol and everything else. Because there's always inflation. There'll always be increases in wages. There'll always be increases in rents. There'll always be increases in house prices. So that's a distracting and irrelevant thing. What we should be focused on is the actual problem, which is there's millions of empty properties in the UK, empty properties. There's also millions of rundown, substandard accommodation, substandard properties that need to be brought back into use, the empty ones, and improved the rundown ones. And who's gonna do that? Private investors, you and me. That's who's gonna do that. But the government need to help. They need to put some incentives in place. They need to support. They need to actually show a proper plan. And yes, Section 21, let's get rid of no-fault evictions. Why not? But bring something in that helps a landlord deal with evictions that are the fault of a tenant where they're not paying, they're damaging the property, and they've got genuine reasons why. Now, a tenant not paying because they've lost their job, then make the system easier for that rent to be paid directly from the councils. I know a lot of landlords and they've got a non-paying tenant who's out of work, and the councils are dragging their heels on trying to solve that problem and help the tenant and help the landlord. Work with the private landlords. Councils, government, Private landlords working together, working together. That's the solution. And then we've got this um, rogue landlord thing. Okay, I bet you, right, I bet you in this video, you'll have people coming into this video going, oh, landlords, landlords, pushing houses up, landlords, whatever. Right, here's the thing. In every industry, is there rogue landlords? Absolutely. But you know what? There's rogue solicitors. There's rogue accountants. There's rogue builders. There's rogue car salesmen. There's rogues in every industry. Landlords are good. Some landlords are bad. Solicitors, some are good, some are bad. Car dealers, some are good, some are bad. It's the same across every industry. If you're a good person and you're thinking about getting into property, do you know what? The industry needs you. The industry needs more good people like you. And if you're not a good person, stay away and go do some other industry. But let's clean up the property industry. Let's make it a better industry. But it's got to be a balance, because you know what? There's rogue tenants. There's good tenants and there's rogue tenants. Let's make sure that we have a system, a solution that helps everybody, that makes it fair on everybody. It cannot be unbalanced or there'll never be landlords working with councils and working with governments. They've got to work together. There's got to be balance. What about rents? Should they be capped? Um, no. Why would we cap rents? The last time I checked, we live in the United Kingdom, a democratic country. We don't live in a communist government country. We don't live where the government um, can tell us when we can cross the street, what we can eat, what we can do. And um, should the rents be capped? Absolutely not should rents be capped. Why? Should wages be capped? Should everything be capped? Should we not be allowed um, 
any movement on anything. That's if you're going to cap rents, you got to cap everything. You got to cap everything. And people come out and they provide accommodation for the the vulnerable. If we cap rents, what will happen? A lot of landlords, right? They won't want to be landlords anymore. And as I said earlier, the government don't have the solution. So what's going to happen? An even bigger problem. An even bigger problem because you cap the rents. Landlords have got less money to spend improving their properties. Good landlords less money to invest back into their business, less money to invest in bringing more substandard accommodation back into use. So what will start to happen? The country will start to crumble around you because the governments are in debt, the governments don't have the money. So what are they going to do? Cap rents? Now, yes, the rogue landlord who's taken all of the rent, creaming it all and not doing anything to improve their property, what's really happening to them? They're devaluing their property. Investors proper investors, proper property investors, they need to reinvest some of that rental money back into the properties to improve the property for the tenant and to improve the value of that property long term. Just to hold the value of that property, they've got to make sure that it's damp proofed and make sure that the roofs are up to date and there's no issues with them. Make sure the gutters are cleaned out. Make sure the drains are cleaned. Make sure that the property is painted and decorated and looked after and kept to a standard. It's like making sure you've got fuel in your car. It's like making sure you oil your car. When you see a rent that goes to a landlord, that money doesn't go in the landlord's pocket. A proper landlord reinvests a lot of that money back into improving that property or keeping the property to its current standard in itself. That costs money. The maintenance side. What about making sure they've got cover for void periods? When a property is empty, the councils will charge you council tax. Why don't they not charge you council tax on an empty property so you've got more money to invest into improving the property? Why don't they work with us to make it fair? But should rents be capped? Absolutely not should rents be capped. If you cap rents, I promise you, for anyone who thinks that's solution, I promise you that will create even more problems. Even more problems. Capping rents is not going to get rid of a rogue landlord. Capping rents, right, while wages are going up, capping rents is not going to improve properties. Capping rents is going to make properties even more substandard because there'll be less money to put back into those houses. So the housing crisis is a real big problem. Do you agree with what I've said? Do you disagree with what I've said? Let's have the debate in the comments. I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Get commenting. If you've enjoyed this video, make sure you like, subscribe and hit that notification bell. I'm Kevin McDonnell. I'll see you on the next video.